Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 702 and Cape Talk. The Naked Scientist. 24 minutes to 10 o'clock. Our lines are open for you. I love that tweet. It said my favorite segment of Friday's show. Yes, it's also one of my fi- favorite segments of the show. So our lines are open for you. 21 446 And uh, Chris, good morning to you. Welcome. Morning, Rudy. Thank you. I don't know. I just found this story so bizarre. Um, the first test tube puppies born for the first time ever. <laughs> I, 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 you know, there's IVF, of course. Uh, human beings have access to that service. I've done IVF uh, myself a couple of times. Didn't work, but I had that, uh, uh, that privilege, that access. And uh, why not with animals? Which means that I must, uh, you know, reconcile my own thinking around this one. Tell us about it. Well, this paper is in the journal um, PLOS and Public Library of Science 1. And what a group of researchers have been able to do is to effectively do in a dog what we've been doing in a human for more than 20 years. Now, that might sound surprising, but it's funny, the procedure that you need to go through, the chemicals, the getting the environment right to make it work in a human, where you take an egg, you mix it with the sperm from a father, you get the egg to get fertilized, that's doing the in vitro fertilization bit, you do that in dish, and then you put the embryos that result mm. back into the female, into the uterus, where hopefully some will grow. Those conditions have been very precisely worked out for a human, but different species are very different, and no one has ever been managed to, managed to make this work in a dog. And what this group are now announcing is that is that they can. They reckon they've got the conditions right so that they can reproducibly do this. And why they say this is a breakthrough is, apart from understanding a bit more about this process and how to do it successfully in a different species, there are also rare species of dog and uh, other types of dog that we may wish to breed via this route and, and conserve and preserve via this route. And it means we actually have learned on, on a number of different accounts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chris, for that. And then um, there is a, a, a listener's question from last week. Um, it says, via SMS, says, Hi, Chris. Is it possible that human beings could evolve into a single sex? Well, probably not. Um, we know that mammals, which do have sex, have been around for at least, a, and we're a mammal, have been around for more than 100 million years. We know that before that, dinosaurs were around for hundreds of millions of years, and crocodiles as well, crocodilians, they were definitely having sex. Uh, and so animals have probably been having sex since very early on in the evolution of life. In fact, over the uh, last six months, we've seen a paper come out from the University of Cambridge looking at one of the first forms of life on Earth in a period called the Ediacaran. This was a species called Fractifusus, and it lived on the seafloor. And it appears to have been reproducing in two different ways. One, it would split itself in half and put out a little kind of runner like a strawberry plant. The other is it appears to have released bits of itself that float off and start new colonies, perhaps by having sex with another animal um, somewhere else down tide and then planting in a whole new colony. 
Mm-hmm. So, in other words, sex is very, very old. If we could dispense with it easily, then nature probably would have done for the simple reason that it's a risky business and it's an uncertain business. But the benefits of having sex, uh, apart from the obvious ones, it's enjoyable and, uh, and it's good for bonding, is that actually it's a way of mixing your genes with another organism's genes. And when you mix those genes together, you get diversity. And genetic diversity is really important for success because it means that you're staying one step ahead of the competition and it enables evolution to occur it's what we call evolution by natural selection you have different combinations genes crop up genes change as they pass from parent to offspring and those changes give in some cases advantages in certain environments and that makes an organism have an opportunity to become more successful than its parents and that's how evolution works so it's very unlikely that nature would dispense with uh, with sex because it's so beneficial and to have sex you need two different sexes a male and a female so i think we're probably pretty safe at the moment okay let's go to uh is it maxwell in soweto good morning maxwell in soweto good morning Morning, morning. How are you, Rigi? I'm very, very, very well. What's your yeah, question? Yeah, I've got a question for Krista, ne? Yes. Very short, ne? Yesterday on ENCA, the lady was reading some news, and then uh, I don't know because I'm busy reading a, a science book called Quantum Physics, ne? So the lady uh, was saying that uh, in North Korea, the leader there says, They've got a, a new kind of a bomb, which is called a, hyd- a, a, a hydrogen uh, bomb. And then that hydrogen bomb, they say, is more powerful than atomic bomb. To my knowledge, atomic and the hydrogen is the same thing. I don't know what is the reaction from Chris there. He can explain to me. I will re- listen over the radio. Okay. Uh, I- All right. That's fine. I think we get the question. Uh, Chris, good mo- uh, wh- how would you answer that? Well, hopefully correctly. But um, (laughs) the bottom line with um, these things is, A, it's North Korea, so you take with a pinch of salt anything that they say, um, because this is a country that's uh, really a regime based on oppressing people and uh, and having a huge, great army, one of the biggest in the world, and meanwhile everyone's starving. Um, That's a different story. There are a range of different ways of making nuclear weapons. One way to to have a nuclear weapon is to make things fuse, another way is to make things split apart. So when you're talking about nuclear uh, fusion, what you're doing is you are driving together different forms. Usually they use heavy hydrogen and you drive those um, particles together very hard. They fuse, they make a bigger molecule um, and or chemical element. And when they do that, uh, they release a lot of energy. That's that's a, a fusion bomb. There's also a way of uh, making releasing a lot of energy by splitting things apart. And so you can use things like um, fissionable materials, plutonium and so on. You make a reaction happen with that and this break, breaks apart big nuclei and when they pull apart nuclear fission then they release energy so there are different ways of getting energy out of a bomb using atomic methods and it could be either of those but as as i haven't heard what north korea are up to lately and i don't really trust anything that the media machine from north korea says uh, i would be very mm. skeptical of, of pretty much anything they say to be honest <laughs> i'll add my voice to that as well maxwell thanks for the call <laughs> kelly in johannesburg hi are you? Hi, Kelly. Yeah, carry on, please. I'd just like to know if it's possible that eczema would be caused by a virus. I only got eczema when I was 30 years old, having not previously had any allergies or skin conditions, 
And I tried to figure out how could this have been caused. No one gave me the answer. And I realized I'd caught the virus a few weeks before my skin started flaring up. And that's been four years ago, and I've had eczema ever since then. Um, I'd just like to know if that's a possible cause. Good morning. I'm sorry to hear about your, your eczema. That's an anno annoying condition. It can be very debilitating. First of all, what actually is eczema? Well, another name for eczema is dermatitis or acute dermatitis. And this is inflammation in the skin. It is a reaction in your skin to some kind of allergen because the processes of this inflammation are allergic processes. Usually something is getting in through the skin that then triggers that reaction in the skin, causing the skin to become itchy, red, inflamed, sore, and then flaky. And, and obviously this can happen anywhere on the body, but usually people would describe hot spots. They'll say there might be a patch of eczema on their face, there might be patches on their skin of their hands, um, in places like the crook of their elbow, the ang angle of the elbow, behind their knees, those kind of places. And whilst we, we understand the immune inflammatory process that causes eczema, we don't understand what gets it going in the first place. There are certainly some people who are genetically predisposed to getting it. People who have asthma are much more likely to also suffer with eczema. But people who get asthma don't always get eczema, and people who get eczema don't always get asthma. Those people are known to have what we call an atopic uh, genetic makeup. They're, they're prone to these sorts of allergic reactions. Whether it could be kick-started by a virus, well, it, it's not known that there are any viruses that directly cause eczema, but it could be a much more non-specific or, or, or variable thing than this. For instance, we know that there are other immune conditions caused by virus infections, which can trigger the immune system to overreact in some way. We know that some forms of diabetes do this. We know that thyroid disease can occur off the back of, of a normal cold. Sometimes it can make the immune system start attacking the thigh and in the neck when it shouldn't do. So it's possible that in some people that the parts of the immune system that will react against some kind of allergen or something coming through from the environment those parts of the immune system could be non-specifically stimulated by a virus infection, which winds up the immune system more broadly, and that makes the immune system more reactive. The other thing that makes eczema much mm. worse is just general debilitation and stress. So if a person is already feeling run down, they're much more likely to get worse eczema than when they're feeling much less stressed and much less run down. And virus infections, if you get a bad one, can, can leave you both mentally and physically stressed. And so that certainly could have aggravated the eczema or helped to disclose a, a latent condition that was there at a low level but wasn't really manifesting very badly until you got unwell. And that's what brought it out. Good luck to you, Kelly. And Bruce, I see your question very fascinating. Indeed, please stay on the line. We're coming back to you right after this. 702 and Cape Talk. The Naked Scientist. Give us a call on 021-446-0567 or Let's go to Bruce in Randburg. Bruce, go ahead, please. Hi, good morning, Reedy. Good morning, Chris. Um, a quick question. If we are told on Earth to... To have a fire going, you need oxygen. If, if the sun is in space, which is, is a vacuum, what keeps the sun burning? Morning, Bruce. Well, the answer is that a fire on the Earth's surface, as you say, it's just an oxidation reaction. Some kind of fuel, which is wood or some kind of hydrocarbon-like oil, is reacting with oxygen in the air 
and it's producing carbon dioxide and usually some water and that chemical reaction sustains itself because heat from the chemical reaction then vaporizes the fuel and breaches the energy barrier it breaks apart the the molecule and makes it sufficiently reactive that it wants to react with the oxygen in the air and that sustains the reaction the sun is a very different beast the sun is the biggest nuclear reactor that we've ever seen and it's a huge great ball of hydrogen with some helium and some other heavier stuff in there now because the sun's about four and a half billion years old what the sun is doing is using its extraordinary size therefore mass and gravity which creates a huge pressure at the center of the sun and a very high temperature because it's squeezing all of the material it's made of together and this squeezing causes nuclear fusion and in nuclear fusion you take small light elements like hydrogen and you squeeze together four particles of hydrogen they then fuse because under that enormous pressure you can overcome the natural repulsion that normally keeps particles apart and four particles of hydrogen will fuse to form one atom of helium and there's a lot of energy released in the course of doing that fusion and the extra energy released is released in the form of photons, otherwise known as light, which also then makes a lot of heat because that light travels to the Earth and when it hits things on the Earth's surface, that energy is imparted to the Earth's surface and we're warmed up. So the Sun is a nuclear reactor and makes its energy by nuclear reaction. The Earth, you see a chemical reaction that's, that's hot and burning, that's just chemistry in action in front of your eyes. They're quite different beasts. They're still making uh, new molecules, but they're doing it in quite a different way. Okay, thank you so much, Bruce. And then there's an SMS question here. What in the brain makes some people more prone to drug or alcohol addiction than others? Well, this is actually a contentious point, really. Um, there's some suggestion and a number of studies over a number of years that there is what we call an addiction-prone genotype or addiction-prone genetic makeup. What scientists have done is to take groups of individuals, because there are certain groups of individuals around the world who seem in their population and in their community to be more prone to using substances and becoming hooked on them. And what they've done is to compare the genetic makeup of those individuals with individuals who are not prone to those sorts of addictions to look for any hot spots in the DNA of the people who keep getting hooked on things to see if there are any genes or genetic changes or effectively molecular signposts, if you like, that keep coming up that might flag up the certain areas of the DNA in these people. The results have been mixed. There's some suggestion, and there was in fact a paper that came out of China last week looking at smoking, there is some suggestion that there might be an association between a, a gene that controls how your brain responds to the chemical dopamine, which is one of the nerve transmitter chemicals that nerve cells use to talk to each other. There might be an association with the receptor that nerve cells use to pick up and, and respond to the dopamine signal and smoking. So they're suggesting that some people may have a gene that that makes a slightly different form of that dopamine receptor which leaves those people with a brain configuration leading them more prone to become addicted. The evidence is not, is not really very robust and resilient across all these trials. It's very hard to find a particular personality type which is driven by genes which makes a person addiction prone and so people are much more comfortable with explaining this on the basis of the way an individual grows up, the environment they grow up in 
and uh, and their own particular behaviour that they've already become accustomed to, to manifesting, rather than it being something overtly genetic. Thank you very much. Okay, uh, we also have an SMS from somebody who wants to know: Is it possible to have a stroke twice? Absolutely. And people can have a stroke many, many times, unfortunately, and strokes come in many different shapes and sizes. Strokes most commonly, about 80% of the time, occur because a blood vessel supplying the brain becomes blocked. And the usual reason a blood vessel becomes blocked is because a block of material, usually known as a thrombus, which forms usually outside the head, so often in one of the big blood vessels in the neck or even in the heart itself, comes floating down the blood vessel goes up the arteries into the brain, blocks the artery, and then stops the blood flow. And any brain tissue that's supplied by that blocked artery will be deprived of, of oxygen and sugar and food. In other words. And that means the tissue is highly likely to die. This doesn't have to be an off process. It can happen many, many times. Um, and if you've had it happen to you once, it shows that there's something fundamentally damaged or wrong with your blood vessels, and therefore you are automatically at a much higher risk that it's going to happen again. Another reason why strokes happen is because uh, arteries can actually pop. There is an association between having high blood pressure and having a stroke. And in these circumstances, high blood pressure can cause the artery to break open and bleeding can occur around the brain. That's called a subarachnoid hemorrhage, which can increase the pressure in the head and make it harder for blood to flow into all the regions of the brain. And under certain circumstances, you can even get an intracerebral hemorrhage and this is where small arteries can sometimes bleed into the brain substance itself. But the effect is, is much the same. You get damage to brain tissue and loss of function of the brain. And there's no reason why if this has happened once, it's not going to happen again. And as I say, if it's happened once before, you're automatically in a higher risk group and uh, it could happen again. Some people do have a series of strokes in their lifetime. Uh, do we have time for Patrick? I think we do. Very quickly, Patrick, in Kailicha. Yes, good morning. Uh, my question is about whether or not are fingerprints ever identical? Or can I have a, 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 an identical fingerprint with a guy in Papua New Guinea or in, in Mongolia? And if that is so, now can it's possible to design a, a device that can identify if somebody's head somewhere, then you put your head, his finger into the uh, thing, and then you, you know who it is, rather than saying that an unknown man dead somewhere. Why is it not possible in this age that we can have such a device? Hi, Patrick. Well, fingerprints are random, and even identical twins don't have the same fingerprints. That doesn't mean they can't be very, very similar, and it also doesn't mean that if you had enough humans, eventually you might find one that, that in the same way as two people can look very similar, that the fingerprints can look very similar. But at the moment, we're pretty comfortable that these, if you assess them in enough detail and at high, high enough resolution, then you can find details of an individual's fingerprints which are, are distinct and unique to that individual. But there are other better measures than just fingerprints. And you can look, for instance, at the pattern of chemicals that make up the iris of the eye. And that's, that's particularly hard to, for, the, for that to match between two individuals. So that's unique to an individual. And if you wanted to go even further, you could look at the genetic fingerprint, which we know is absolutely unique to an individual, with the exception of identical twins. Because if you're an identical twin, you're a clone, and so you are genetically identical to your brother or sister, who's your other twin. Um, so that, that does slightly put a um, fly in the ointment. But putting all those measures together, you would have a unique way of identifying somebody. Chris, have a lovely weekend. We chat again next week. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Reedy. Bye, everybody. We'll podcast this conversation. 
thinking about your next career move in research and development? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that's investing £20 billion in R&D over the next two years. The nation that's home to four of the world's top research universities. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK.